0: When I think about the Black Panthers, the Black Panthers were doing exactly what I think is the happy medium. They had—they were really
1: protecting their community. Yes,
0: they had breakfast programs in one hand. Yes, and then the other hand, they had an AR. I'm like, I'm okay with that. That's cool.
2: And the police police shut down their fucking breakfast Yes, and shut down their food distribution.
0: They were like, these niggas is up to no good. So they, yeah. <laughs> they we gotta get rid of this breakfast program out here yeah. serving breakfast to the community. And I'm like, but that's, that's where I feel like all of us, the most radical we could get is to like have a firearm and a shovel, a firearm and a watering can. Something to like both defend yourself and to help feed the community. And like, but they'll snap that, they'll slap that out of their hands every single time.
1: Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today we have we have been literally planning this podcast episode for months. Like <laughs> this true. is like, but, I mean, to give some context, we've been planning this since basically I watched Black Panther after Chadwick Boseman died, which was what in like August.
2: Yeah, or but something? not for the first time,
1: right? You'd seen it before that. No, 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 I'd seen it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but rewatched it, you know, in honor of Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. um, because like. It, it, oh my god like everyone like all the tributes did you guys see the tribute where or like the video that was going around where the two he was talking about those two kids who had some kind of terminal illness and he wanted to and their one wish was to see him you know as Black Panther so he was like I have to fucking make this movie before these kids die yeah I was just wrecked
2: Tears, tears for years
1: oh my god (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> tears, <wrecked>.
1: tears. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, as our guest on the show, we have Ronald Young Jr., the host of the Time Well Spent podcast of Leaving the Theater. Both incredible podcasts, and also you're doing so much production work for other shows now, right?
0: Yeah, and you you've been
1: actually,
0: on fire. <gasps> yeah, you can call me a frequent NPR contributor now. So yes. Hey. <laughs> that was so good. I was like, yeah, Frequent Inquiryar contributor,
1: yeah. Dude, how did you make that happen?
0: <laughs> uh, through leaving the theater, man. Like, I uh, I applied for the job for uh, to be the host of one yeah. of the NPR shows, and I got close but didn't make it, but close enough that they were like, we should bring you in as a guest panelist. And I was like, yeah, that's right. You should. Dude,
1: that's, that's how right. you do it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and if you got the other jobs, I'd like to apply for those too.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: if you have any other jobs, I would love the opportunity. <laughs> <to apply laughs> Thank for you them. so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. I brought you a fruit basket. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's we amazing. have Ronald
2: Young Jr. here. Thank you so much for being our guest. And we, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to get into this. So... Uh, Isabel, do you want to talk about your your radicalization and like what made you want to r- record the show?
1: Okay, yeah. Here's my. I feel like all of our episodes recently have been like, okay, here's my rant. Like, <laughs> 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 so okay, I'm just gonna go anyway. So I was watching Black Panther right after Chadwick Boseman died, and you know I was. So I love Black Panther. As some context this is like partially why the show is called i'm the villain is because of you know killmonger being such a nuanced villain and like feeling like you know there's not like real portrayal of people who like are questioning the status quo as being like nuanced characters like in our general you know society and in our storytelling anyway that's a sidebar um by the end of the, of the, of the movie, I was like, this, this was so, like, it almost feels like propaganda to me, right, the fact that, for those of you who are, like, you know, aren't familiar with Black Panther, I'm not even gonna, you know, you should go watch it, but, like, basically, the, the hero, T'Challa, is kind of, like, you know, Tr- the the resolution is basically that like you know the villain wants to have this like violent uprising or whatever and T'Challa and like the rest of Wakanda is like no we're not going to do that we're just going to have outreach and education and like you know like export our our research and development and, like stuff like that and it, it to me it felt like a really unsatisfying ending because it's like but we have been doing that and that doesn't seem to really like we're still here we're still you know at this point where like we don't have racial justice and it's it's this thing where i was just like thinking about rgb dying and how like the supreme court and like just like in 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 government right the people who are willing to like fight dirtiest tend to win Right. And if you are like playing a game, right, where the system is like encouraging and incentivizing that kind of behavior, like how will you ever assume any kind of power? Right. Because, you know, basically I've been thinking a lot about like, do you think that power is zero sum? Right. And like, if so, like violence seems to be like this was like a really, this is like a really fundamental, like Malcolm X you know, MLK kind of conversation, right? Like we've been talking about this exact conversation for decades, right? Yeah. And I don't, I'm in a place where I don't know if we've really come to a actual answer to that question, right? Yeah. Because if the, the, the dominant police state has a monopoly on violence, what are you supposed to do with that, you know? Like, if, if the rules are such that one side is allowed to do things, whether literally, like, legally, like, with the police or, like, with the Republicans in Congress, where they're just like, oh, well, you know, suddenly we're just going to decide to not hear your Supreme Court nominee, and then that gets them more power. Like, how does one deal with that kind of a system, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, is, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's a satisfying answer to that question, but it's really just making me question, like, kind of the premises that we ha- are operating on in terms of how do you make change in our society that's kind of a, a very very general summary of kind of what i've been thinking <laughs> about you know what i mean
2: yeah interesting that you talk about black panther kind of happening like propaganda elements because as i think about it yeah i see it right it's like there's this like kind of secret society of like rich and really res- resource, like, rich black people somewhere that are just choosing not to help the rest of the black people in the world. And the villain is the guy that's like, we need to help everybody in the world, but we, but we need to do it violently through a takeover. And I guess at the end, the satisfaction is supposed to be that, like, yeah, T'Challa's like, no, we'll, we'll be more diplomatic. And we're like <laughs> we'll like, we'll play the game more. But it does feel... You know, it does kind of seem like it reinforces the the anti-revolution stereotype,
1: right? And so, like, is that a satisfying ending to you?
2: Um, you know, to a kids movie, yeah. <laughs> um, I I think that you know, I do think there's a trend in media of movies that feel revolutionary that actually, at their core, aren't that revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this for a little bit recently, um, <clears throat> and I think there's reasons for that. I think revolution, like, isn't palatable to people for whatever reason. But maybe, or maybe it's just because we're taught that it shouldn't be palatable.
0: Yeah. So, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm torn because, like, I'm, I'm one of the people that, like, I like Killmonger, um, and I think uh, in terms of new, I, I get what everybody says. They say he was a nuanced villain, but I also thought new Killmonger was like also extremely violent to women uh specifically women and he like True. he killed his girlfriend for virtually no reason uh yeah. and he killed uh, he choked that woman in the uh in the altar the temple of the uh whatever where they the orchids are i'm completely blanking on what those things were called where they eat them yeah. and you get the power like, the it's street. like
1: purple flower yeah things. yeah yeah
0: and then he killed that dora milaje just slit her throat um uh-huh. And so he he was a, a guy that wasn't just he was enacting the same violence that the state enacts on black folks on black folks. And he said that himself. He was like, I'm uh, I've killed my brothers and sisters on this own continent just so I could get to you. Yeah. So then my question. is, And so I think in this case, and this is the one of few the few ways that I'll do this mm-hmm. is I think that um, masculinity is the problem. Because the idea of using power as a power and violence as a me I'm sorry, using violence as a means to obtain power is a crazy masculine idea. And it's yeah. something and I feel like what Killmonger is more representative of, which I think a lot of people, especially black men, are afraid to represent, is the idea that we are going to replace white supremacy with black supremacy. And I don't mean that in the way that uh Terry Cruz. Terry Cruz way. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> I mean the idiots who actually believe that. Like there's a lot of uh, you know, one percenters, the um Black Israelites, all of all, all, everybody is like this place. We're like, well, we don't go beat it. We got to go get it ourselves. And I'm like, yes. But then what y'all plan to set up is a black patriarchy, which is still not helpful or constructive for everyone. That's not equitable for everyone. So my, my thoughts are always to, I'm always anti-violent tactics. I'm like, I'm about self-defense. Like, I, you, I'll tell you about the uh, deacons of self-defense. I would advise everyone to buy a gun. Like, I'm all about, like, be yeah. ready, because if they shoot, you need to be able to shoot back. You're not going to be able to get them with kind words or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> but um, but the idea of, you're right, like, the idea of um, of violence or power being zero sum, it's, it's something I've struggled with, too, because I'm like, you're right, they're able to do stuff we're not able to do, which yeah. is why I think we should arm ourselves and be, like, ready for that fight. But I think what Killmonger was trying to do was was misguided in his efforts just to say yeah we're going to take the weapons and we're going to wipe them out and i'm like that's... Mm-hmm. yeah it it is- but be a i don't little more a-
1: nuance than that right? there, was, there was i
0: it's feel like there was something plan. in the middle like between right. killmonger and t'challa where it's like can we like bring our spears and our technology yeah. and be like hey yo y'all going to use this technology or we're going to kill you you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> or you're going to you're going to be more equitable or we're going to kill you you know yeah. like there's there had to be like some sort of happy medium
2: yeah, and there's this, I mean, I think it's a trend with Marvel villains, especially, where they, you know, they might rise to a place where they can have a lot of power and do a lot of good. And they're, there's something kind of fanatical in their idolism, right? There's something that, that in, in order to make them a villain, they have to kind of be illogical. Yeah, and, or selfish. Or selfish. And okay. I think that we see that in Killmonger, and we see that in Thanos from, um, from Avengers, where he... You know, he obtains literally all the power in the universe, and he. his rationale is that I grew up in a place where there wasn't a lot of resources, and if we just eliminate half of everybody, then there'd be enough resources. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, dude, but you <laughs> obtained literally the entire power in the universe. You obtained the power to change everything. So why not just double the resources?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing?
2: <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and, and so there's, like, so, yeah, there's, that like, that fanatical element where, uh, Ronald, I think you bring up a good point where, yeah, like, I think there is kind of a supporting Killmonger narrative. But I, the toxic masculinity point is a really, really salient one to me.
0: But that's my, I want to be clear, that's my only thing, hey, of, a push against violence. Because when I think about the Black Panthers... The Black Panthers were doing exactly what I think is the happy medium. They had they were bre- like
1: protecting their community. Yes,
0: right? they had breakfast program had in one drives. hand. Yes, yeah. And then the other hand, they had an AR. I'm like, yeah. I'm okay yeah. with that. That's cool. And the, police,
2: and the police shut down their fucking breakfast. Yes, they like yes. shut down their food distribution.
0: They were like, these niggas is up to no good. So they, (laughs) they, we got to get rid of this breakfast program out of here serving breakfast to the community. And I'm like, but that's that's where I feel like all of us, the most radical we could get is to like, have a firearm and a shovel, a firearm and a watering can. Something to like both defend yourself and to help feed the community. And like, but they'll snap that, they'll slap that out of their hands every single time.
2: Yeah. But what's funny is that they won't, I mean, Though they have more, I think, like kind of shrouded ways to slap the AR out of your hand, but they they the thing they slap first is not the AR, right? Yes, because that's, that's the constitutional. That's the constitutional right. Like you know, you you're you're allowed to have an AR. Yes, but we can get you on some stupid permit shit about like like oh you don't have permits to pass food out here, or you don't have you know if you're gonna pass food out, you have to like you have to pass all these health and safety regulations before you do that, and. And I'm like, nigga, we get, these people can't eat. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about here? What <laughs> um, so, other did to agree? The question to me becomes, and I know that like, i I've talked about I've talked about like incrementalism versus revolution, and I think that's a false. Yeah. I think that's a false versus. I don't think I think they go hand in hand. But do we feel? I mean, there's there has been incremental change in the country on race, and the you know over time and so obviously we should always keep fighting for more because there's always more more progress to be made um do you you two feel like like how do you two feel about the speed at which change is occurring
1: i don't know and this is maybe not an obvious like you know, uh, assumption, but like would a violent revolution actually be good for black people or would like a a ton of black people all just die. And then the person like whoever filled that power vacuum would literally just be whoever's (laughs) next in line from a power standpoint, because who we know based on like history that, you know, the, the people who are best equipped to assume that power is just going to be, you know, the people who are best able to coordinate, right. Which is not going to be poor people right is not going to be people who don't have power to begin with yeah. right? correct
0: i 100 <laughs> percent agree i also i feel like in uh generally when i think about violent uh uprisings like you just look at the ones that have occurred uh even recently if you think about like the arab spring mm-hmm. um we don't really, uh, you, you don't really see the, the, the results that you would expect. Like everyone's like, well, we feel better. Cause we were in the streets. I'm like, yeah, man, but like the violence and you guys were hurt. You were gassed. You were out there for days. Some people are starving. Like look at what's happening in South America and some places um, like Venezuela and uh, uh, Brazil, like people are out there in the street, be- beating their drums, like actually trying to stop, uh, super right-wing authoritarian governments from taking over and you're just not getting the results that you want, you know? And I feel like I'm, I love incrementalism when it works because it's right. like, you take your little change, you can, you move on, you take the little change, you can, like you move on and, and hopefully like before you know it, you have a lot. Uh, but the problem with incrementalism is there's also people out there who are uh, doing incrementalism in reverse, so right. it's like if you guys see that movie it, it's like you got a whole society of people out here that are just do everything that you change. They're just moving it back, which is I would encourage you all to read a book called White Rage, um, because that book does a very good job of breaking down every stride that we thought was a stride forward, including Brown versus Board of Education or criminal justice or um, are things better now that we have a black president? All of those things, it breaks down all of the ways in which. There was somebody working in the shadows or full government, state governments, whatever, working in the shadows to, to, to push those changes in the other way. So, Isabel, I absolutely agree with you. I feel like a violent revolution isn't the way. But what I do think is the way is a subtle infiltration. And I think we're closer to that than we think, because mm-hmm. yeah. what I always love preaching to people is that a lot of these people are going to die. A lot of these old people, Mitch McConnell's going to die. Donald Trump is going to die. Clarence uh, Thomas is going to die. Like, a lot of these people are all going to die.
1: But isn't that what they thought, like, in the 60s? Like, they were gonna die. And I think, yeah, and And now they're here, right? Like, we were were like, oh, these people are gonna die, and then we'll have this, like, great hippie, like, you know, loving, whatever, like, you know, United States. But see, I think
0: we're further along than we were in the 60s at this point. I think because, because, I mean, like, did die, right?
2: Like, in the 60s, a lot of them were like, black people shouldn't be drinking from the same water fountain.
0: Yeah. But that didn't really change anything, you know? Because I'm like, I'm with you, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm like, like, the 50s and the 60s, when you think about the stuff that actually changed, like, okay, no more Jim Crow. But then, like, like you look at all the educational policies they actually put in to keep Black people down, yeah. like that they just put just put in there, voted it in there. And it's just like, oh, so segregation still exists. If you listen to Nice White Parents, like even the idea of uh, of what segregation is. I'm sorry, Nice White Parents is a podcast by the New York Times about um about uh race education inequality in New York and what that looks like. But the idea that these are liberal folks that are like still in situations in which they're making situations still in scenarios in which they're making situations worse for black and brown people. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying like when I'm saying now that these people are going to die, I think you could see now more than ever that the GOP and a lot of the right wing authoritarian folks are knowing that if they don't do everything they can right now to hold on as long as they can, things are about to change again. And I'm not saying it's going to be the utopia that we want but things are going to change in a way that they're not going to be able to wrap their hands around again. Right. I truly believe that. And I I think they understand that that's not good news for them because it means that Mitch McConnell or all these guys, like they might never have the power that they had again. That's what I think is going to happen, but I yeah. don't think it's going to be the free love
2: <laughs> yeah, democratic utopia. Definitely not right. going to be utopia, yeah. but I do think that, yeah, I mean, the guard has to change. Right. Yeah. And we are coming into a period where you know white people are becoming they're no longer make up the majority of you know like the of the country like over 51 percent of the country you know we're talking about things like democratic socialism and racial inequality on a national scale um and we're talking about it you know we're talking about the kkk being a hate group and black lives matter and like all these things and i yeah i think that we are seeing the republican Party, kind of throwing it all at the wall and being like, "BLM are terrorists," <laughs> like, like just like saying whatever they can because they can kind of feel and see the direction of the direction that the country is going. Um, but I think now more than ever we're experiencing the power that the government has to do things that the public isn't even in favor of, right? Like, if like Isabel, you were talking about the Supreme Court. You know, the majority of the country supports legal and safe access to abortion. The majority of the country supports some form of accessible universal health care. Um, and the Supreme Court reversing those decisions would literally be against the will of the people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's where I feel like, yeah, like, my hands are tied here. There's nothing I can do about this except you know, just be in the streets and be an activist, and when it comes time to vote again, vote the right way. But, you know, I it just feels, at some at some points, it feels very undemocratic to me.
1: But it was made to be that. Like, it's always been that exact, like, the whole point of a lot of these systems was not to, like, give a shit about what the average person yeah. thought. Like, the right? average person
2: shouldn't have input in what in what the, you know, the laws of the land are.
1: Right. Right, I mean that's why we weren't like I mean we, that's why we have the electoral college. Like you know the average they're not like you know they don't think that the average person should be able to directly vote for the president. Like they're they're idiots, right? Like <laughs> the system was made with the presumption that too much democracy was a really really bad thing, and it's like really complicated because I think a lot of you know Trump populism has like actually you know manifested a lot of that in a way that's like really awkward to talk about right <laughs> like, <laughs> like
0: i mean i still go, go ahead, ahead. No, no no finish
1: i was just like there's so many like postmortems on like how many like latinos voted for trump how many like people who it seems like it would be absolutely against their best interests right to vote for this person and then it's sort of like how, you know, is it just like the media and whoever has control of the media like like there's this argument that like, you know, more populism equals more media like money to interests getting what they want, right? Because you can just like flood the, you know, the TV channels with ads and people will believe it. Right? Yeah. So like I don't know. What do you like I I'm really the jury's out for me on like, you know, how much whatever democracy is really the right level you know with especially given we're in the education environment that we're in
0: okay so you are 100 percent right i think the only thing i would yes and that is that i i don't know if your white listeners are gonna like this but (laughs) (laughs) of that 73 million that uh voted for uh, uh trump the vast majority of them were white right white people And I'm like, so it always, for me, comes down to white supremacy and racism. And then, of course, and then followed very closely by patriarchy and the capitalism. And then, you know, we can go down the whole list. But they all inform each other because I'm like, when you're when you're talking about set, even when you start to talk about those smaller groups like the Latinos or the uh, black folks, I'm like, none of those none of those numbers move the needle none of those numbers won the election, uh, would have won the election for Trump or were enough to even register as like significant. Like, oh my God, this is significant. Like that may have won you Florida. Like a Latino Mm -hmm. vote in, the Latino vote that won him Florida was not the Latino vote that lost him Arizona, you know? Mm -hmm. So like when they talk about like the Latino vote, it's like, I mean, it's it's more complicated. It's super nuanced. Exactly. But Mm -hmm. what is not nuanced is that the vast majority of people that voted for Donald Trump or white, oh, like white, white people, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, and that's why I always prefer my white friends because I'm like, y'all have one or two people in your life that are voting for Trump and not telling you or that you have not gone toe-to-toe with about Trump yet. And yeah. I'm talking like when people talk about, well, we got a bridge to divide. I was like, no, no, we need to cut off that limb and let it die because I'm like, if there are still white folks out here that are like, yeah, I mean, he was good on taxes. I'm like, yeah, but he hates black people. He hates women. He hates immigrants. He hates the LGBT community. He keeps claiming that he's done a lot for black people. All, all of these like horrible things and then you go then you dig deeper into the actual policies themselves. And then all this time you see that that Trump is just this front man for the evil that Mitch McConnell is actually enacting on society. And it's like right. y'all voted for that. Mm-hmm. You walked into the booth and voted for that. And if you are white, you have a responsibility to I just feel like like if white people aren't actually sitting down looking in the mirror and being like, yo, I I feel bad about George Floyd, but I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, <laughs> you could go talk to your uncle about voting for Trump. You can go talk to your mother and father. You can say, I'm not coming to Thanksgiving because y'all are Trump supporters and y'all are trash. And I'm not doing this with y'all no more. Love you, yeah. mom. Bye. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you can start cutting them people off and just like being real about standing up for actually what's right instead of being buddy, buddy with everybody and what, letting them walk into the booth and then walk it out being like, well, we can vote differently and still agree. No, we can't. Sorry. I'm like that. You really triggered something. When you said, it. cause I'm like, <laughs> when I think about democracy in general, it's like the majority rule, the will of the people, that's the way it should be. And I know people are like setting up parameters and say, yeah, we should talk about, I mean, yeah, we should have so much power, not so much power, but it's like, it still comes down to white folks are the majority and white folks are making decisions for all of us and then hand-wringing at the decision because they don't want to feel bad about it. But you know do you mean? think
1: that cutting the limb off would actually make it die? Right?
0: I mean, if you I mean throw the limb into the fire...
1: <laughs> but, like, but the thing like is they're like, still going to be here.
0: Yeah, I think Trevor, right? I
2: Trevor Noah had a good little talk about this when he was talking about how he had Tommy Laird on his show. Yeah. And they were talking about that. And he was like... And I think this is a very salient point for me as someone that like, you know, comes from the South and like, it's like these people, you know, if you decide that you're just going to cut them off and like, you know, just kind of forget about them and like push them to the edge of society or whatever, all that's going to do is radicalize them more. And, you know, like racism has to, we have to do something about it, whatever. I, I'm not sure what the thing is, but it has to be, it's a problem that has to be solved.
0: But we didn't cut them off in the last four years. And I'm like, more people voted for Trump. He got more yeah, voters.
2: He got more so I'm like.
0: What is our cause this goes back to the original point, uh uh Isabel? It's like, okay, so are we diplomatic here or are we violent here? Right. Cause I feel like the violent option here would be to cut people off. The diplomatic option is to go to Thanksgiving and talk to him and convince him and no, well, we we you know we can agree to disagree. And it was like, Grandma, you were saying like I know my friend Sarah who argues their grandmother all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I am a Christian. I am saved. I am like, I am arguing with evangelicals every day, it feels
2: like. <laughs> you know what I mean? About about whether people should have rights.
0: <laughs> yes! And I'm like, y'all are supposed to be Christians! Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> like, this is like, a, this is our thing. Our thing is like helping folks and, you know, healing people and giving them water and turning wa- water into wine and giving them fish and loaves. That's our thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, if we're not doing that, then like what are y'all? What are y'all actually doing? And I'm like, if you're not getting into those fights and those discussions, but you're right. I don't know. I don't know that either method, violent yeah. or diplomacy, is actually moving the needle. Which is right. all, I'm like, all right, then maybe we need to ratchet up violent tactics because I feel like when people were punching Richard Spencer in the face every time he popped out to do an interview. This year that bad <laughs> man endorsed Trump Biden. I had I like, seen so somebody Richard knocked Spencer him right since
2: <laughs> I hadn't seen Spencer on the street since. Not <laughs> after the
0: second <laughs> time. And he lived in Alexandria. So I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see this dude. Ooh. <laughs> but I'm saying imagine? apparently violence works in some on some levels. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, obviously the
2: answer, like everything we ever talk about on this show, is somewhere in the middle. Some kind some type of both. But it's Isabel, you're so right. It's so hard to figure out what is what is the both. Where is like how how what's the line? You know, like right. Because like those white
1: people who are voting for Trump, like obviously, if there's a candidate that's going to be like, oh, I believe in white supremacy. I think you should be the ruling class. Why would if you're a white person, right? Like, assuming you do think that power is zero sum and that white people are losing their power because of all the demographic shifts we've spoken about, like. What can you say to to them, right, to be like, no, you should give up your power, right? Yeah. Why would anyone think that's a convincing argument?
2: I don't think it is. I think that, and this is cheesy, but I think that what we're seeing is that a lot of people are just not, So a lot of people are shitty. There are also a lot of people that are not that shitty. Like, a lot of people are like, you know, like they see, you know, there's like different shields in effect- you know, it's unfortunate that, like, it's unfortunate that so many white people were like, I saw what happened to George Floyd, and that's when I knew I had to do something. You know? That's like, when you knew? That's when you knew, dude. But it, it speaks to, like, some sort of, like, willful ignorance until it's screaming, screaming at you in the face. Yes. And, and I think that a lot of racism and a lot of the most sinister racism takes place in that gray area, where... You know, it's like, oh, I didn't know, you know, I, I wasn't aware of all the bad things happening to people, you know, like, I always thought that when they said Trump was racist, that they were just like, that they were just throwing out buzzwords and like, whatever. Like, no, dude, like, these these policies literally disproportionately affect people of color in a negative way.
0: Yeah, every and, time.
2: Every time. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, the, the, it, that doesn't answer the question of
0: what the fuck do we do about it. I, don't know, I think I just I, I I think it's 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 elements from both. Mm-hmm. There's going to be violence. There's going to be diplomacy. Yeah. Um, at some point, we're going to have to push our way to the table to be like, if y'all are having discussions, yeah, we deserve to be here. Women I mean, deserve to be here. LGBT we, deserve to be here. Everybody deserves to be at the table.
2: And we even saw that with um, the you know the police defunding situations that we saw earlier in the summer. Like, yeah, if if. You know, if Minneapolis didn't rise up, they wouldn't have done shit to that police department. They wouldn't have done anything to it. And the rest of the country followed suit. And now we are seeing sweeping changes. Obviously, like, it's not enough and whatever, you know. Except for D.C., they're doubling down. (laughs) (laughs) Mayor Mayor Bowser.
0: What what the fuck? (laughs) But, you know, she's such a Trojan horse mayor. I'm telling you, she's not. Mayor trash. I
1: think she's really, really playing the long game politically. Oh, yeah. Right? What,
0: what all does that mean? Like, you think she's going to run for president or something?
1: Well, I don't know about running for president. But, like, you know, I feel like all of these, like, really showy, like, you know, like, the Black Lives Matter Plaza being such a good Instagram opportunity and then, like, everyone copying her. Like, I feel like everyone else outside of D.C., like, loves her.
0: I guess. But my, th- you know what? Okay. 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 You're not going to like this comparison. But let me tell you another guy, another person that was like that. I remember there was this incident that occurred in the early 2000s in which a mayor of a certain city outside of his city. He looked like a hero for the way he was handling it. He was, you know, praising the first responders. He was like doing everything he needed to do. He was like doing the tours, being very poignant and very leader like And Everyone around the country was like, man, this dude is like pretty cool. And everyone in that city was like, no, he's not. <laughs> we were, and everyone was like, "What are you talking about? This dude is cool." Fast forward 19 years later, that dude is Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> and he was, and apparently he was trashed in, and we can all see that he's trashed now. So I'm like, <laughs> I feel like we all we got to do is uh, people like this, like like uh, like Mayor Bowser, they'll all expose themselves, and we know that she's a capitalist at heart, and like her purest form of interest is purely money. And purely, like, how can I get this money? How can I get this money to? Because I'm like, if you look at DC, I'm still. Do y'all, DeAndre? You don't? Do you live in the city? I live in the city. Okay, I feel like most people I know that live in the city that are not from here, especially if you're not from the region, if you came from somewhere else, they know a completely different DC than I than I have known. I've watched it change. Like, I've actually watched it change from the 90s to now. But everyone who's shown up to DC in the last, I would say, five years walked into a place and i feel we're already sold a false bill of goods as to what it is you know what i mean and as to what and and i feel like people like um mayor bowser helped that change even with the like this why are we i I don't know why how we went down this path but i'm gonna finish it then i'll be done But, (laughs) but she but like it starts with little things like her disparaging things about dc herself like the thing she said about mambo sauce where no. she's like, I don't even think it's that good. I'm like, yo, uh, you're the mayor of DC. So now, even, like, all these white folks that just moved here are gonna be like, I don't like Mambo Sauce either. Even I'm like,
2: if you don't like it. You are the mayor of DC.
0: Yes, you love
2: you love Mambo Sauce and you love Go Go music. Yes, like you, yes, that's what you love. Okay, yes, and it doesn't matter if you personally don't like it. You recognize that that's your city's culture.
0: I bought a hundred and twenty dollars <throat> sweatshirt the other day from uh, the Long Live Go Go people. And I was like, I looked at it and I balked at the price a couple of times and I was like, mm, I got to do it for the culture. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, I, I got to do it because I'm like, I, I don't know where this $120 is going, but I do know when I wear this goat, this sweatshirt that says go-go, it might spark a conversation with somebody who's never heard of go-go before, you know, but I feel like. Again, we all know these things and we all seen the changes that happen. And they didn't start with Bowser. Uh, Mayor Fenty put some stuff in that I feel like even when Mayor Fenty was the one that started the uh, the bike share program. And then uh, things like began to gradually change over time through the last few mayors. And everyone's like trying to do stuff to DC and make DC the place to be, come on over. And it as a result, it's these developers and all these people coming in to make DC so cute. It's so cute down there. Oh, it's so cute. Like all of that, you know what I mean? Uh is happening and i feel like all of us that are just watching it happening watching all these black people be pushed into pg county be pushed into virginia um i think all of us can like really see what's happening and see who's happening what's uh, going on with the real mayor i don't know how to connect this back to the thread we were talking about Wait, well I think but just... you think <laughs> that if she
1: <laughs> pretended to like go-go music that everyone would just think that she was pandering though i don't th-
2: i don't think that you need to pretend i think that it means propping up. I mean, you have like, to actually like it. Is, it's kind of so. I think we're talking about two separate things right now, right? So, like, one thing is like, you, if you don't like mambo sauce and you're the mayor of DC, I think you should just shut the fuck up and not say you don't like That's mambo
0: sauce. That's it. Yeah. You, you don't know have to say, you don't yeah. have to
2: say anything about mambo sauce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but on the Agreed. other side, it means that, you know, when you, I believe that, like, to be a, a good mayor, I, capitalists. Capitalist mayors are like, I want to bring external people to this, <clears throat> to the city. I want to bring, quote unquote, <clears throat> quote unquote, investment to the city. But a mayor for, it's a mayor for the city's people are like, how can I invest money in the city in a way that is culturally respectful to the people that already live
0: here and equitable and yes. equitable, yes.
1: Which and- is like, I don't even know if that's like, in if I were the mayor, right? That is so like nuanced and complicated how does one actually do that like i don't actually really i think it's know i think what part of it is the like, right way is to do I mean, that we had, right we, yeah
2: we had david on the show ronald david is our is my roommate is best friend and a dc native whose dad ran for council at large Love his, dad is, his dad is um, ed lazier and um you know david brought up a lot of things that like a lot of policies that, you know, maybe seem good, seem, seem good on the front side, but actually don't do anything like the, like affordable housing mandate, you know, whenever some new development or some new houses get built in DC, some portion of them has to be like relegated to affordable housing. But the thing that defines affordable housing actually isn't that affordable, you know, Mm -hmm. it isn't, it actually isn't helping reserve those spaces, you know? Yeah. I think that's a it's a pattern that we're seeing with, with the mayor of like doing something that symbolically looks like it might help somebody, whether it be the affordable housing mandate or like Black Lives Matter Plaza, and then it actually being toothless and or maybe even actively harming the community.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think these are people that are out of touch with the community that um, aren't talking to folks, aren't actually seeing what they want, and then making assumptions on people's behalf. Uh, let's go back to Killmonger for a minute. Like, Kilmer was kind of doing some of those things. He was making a lot of assumptions about how people wanted their change and yeah. what they'd be willing to do. And the truth is, if you give a desperate person uh, a laser weapon, they're probably going to use it. They're probably going to use it to get exactly what they want. And that's exploitative of you to do that to that person because you put them in a situation where they could be harmful to themselves and to others. Mm-hmm. So I feel like leaders have to be really responsible with their words and their methods and you see a lot of people that kind of just say words, but don't worry about methods. They don't worry about execution. They say, we need to do this. And they walk away. And some other, another team has to come in and actually make the thing that the, the leader said come to fruition. And they don't know all of the nuance and things that go behind making whatever this is that needs to happen, happen. Mm-hmm. And so when it doesn't happen the right way, or it again, it's a policy that ends up disproportionately affecting the most marginalized communities that we have. I just don't think it should be as surprising as people think when there was no real good thought and real well-intentioned process into this. And then I I will say even in the cases where there is real good thought, sometimes the opposition is just it's too much to overcome because people will take the teeth out of anything they can. Even when you look at uh, at the Affordable Care Act, that was something that was meant to do a lot of good. And over time, people have just been pecking at it and picking at it. And pulling out all the things about it that are really helpful to everyone. Like, even the idea, like, people don't even know why there's an individual mandate. And the whole idea is that they need the individual mandate to help pay for it, to help pay for all of it. And the whole idea behind this, when people say it's socialized healthcare, I'm like, I mean, we're helping each other. That's the point. We're all supposed to be going into this thing and helping everybody. And you might not need it, but you know, Bill might need it. And then my thing is it's like, okay, you can either do the individual mandate or when Bill is dying of cancer, you could donate to his GoFundMe, you know? So, but there's a lot of things that are, like, well-intentioned that leadership is, like, thinking about or saying, but they don't think about the execution and the methods. And I think that's that's a big problem. Like, it's, I, and it's obviously a problem.
1: I think it goes down to a lot of these structural things where the people who are doing, like, you know, for example, I, I, I think of, like, AOC's campaign versus Joe Crowley, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Joe Crowley was able to just, like, sit there in Kong in the house right and just kind of like you know wing it and like he didn't even show up to the debates with her and like he was able to maintain power that way and I think a lot of other people in power are by like they don't they don't have to be really rigorous in their methods and they don't have they were able to maintain power without talking to their communities and without being accountable to them and it seemed like for a long time that was working right
0: mm-hmm. and like
1: suddenly you see you know grassroots organizations coming in and unseeing those people, which is awesome. But like that was a phenomenal amount of effort to try to like, you know, get the system to work the way it actually should be working. Right. Yeah. Like how do you get more of those types of efforts going on? And this is, this is where it comes down to power being zero sum because like those seats, like only one person can like, you know, have that house or that Senate seat. Right. And like, you know, you m- know, have the time or the money or the effort right like those are those things i'm like i'm really trying to think about like what are the most effective ways that we can really move the needle on these things and like i i i see very like limited examples right like mutual aid i think has been you know working to do that but like mutual aid is really what the government should be doing right which we're just like doing this as a proxy measure for like stuff that the government should really do for people Right.
2: (sighs) Yeah, man. I got
0: nothing, Isabel. (laughs) Do we
1: do that? Like,
0: (laughs) I got nothing. I don't think, like, okay. And I, I know your this podcast is not about like coming up with solution, Mm -hmm. but like, I mean, the only thing that I'll just keep saying is like, I think it has to be a healthy mix of, of, uh, of more than one method, and I Mm -hmm. think everyone has to has to be invested, right? And.
1: And it's, like, all of, like, yeah, it's, like, how do you, like, lessen the trend towards apathy, right? Because, like, it's so easy to be apathetic.
2: Yeah. I think, I I don't know. I mean, this is, I have no stats to back up what I'm about to say. Sure. But.
0: Get ready to fact check.
2: Get ready to fact check, fact check. (laughs) Like, we're a debate or something. Um, it feels like you know, the climate is that people are not becoming more apathetic. I feel like people are becoming more activated
1: mm-hmm.
2: in the political slash equity, you know, spaces.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, the, to, you know, that's a, to me that's a good thing and, and that is why we are seeing, like, somewhat, you know, somewhat steady progress, obviously, like, being, you know, R- Ronald brought up a good point of, like, things are happening counter to that every single time. Mm -hmm. But it feels like people are are getting activated, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. Which I guess is definitely, like, hard, given that we're in a pandemic. Like, it's pretty – it is pretty impressive that we've been able to, like, utilize the channels that we have now to, like, democratize all these different narratives.
2: Yeah. Right? And, and like, Hot Take, without, you know, without a damn near, like, fascist – super racist, awful president, would people be as activated as they are now? I
0: think think they would. You think they would? Okay. I think that... Because, I like, let's not forget, Black Lives Matter started under Obama.
2: That's true.
0: You know? So I'm like...
2: Black Black folks were getting shot by police way before Trump.
0: Yeah, well before. So I think there's... But I think you are right. I think... I would think the the... For this year, the type of activism that we've had, I think the pandemic over the government. Because... People sat in their houses and watched a snuff film when they watched mm-hmm. George Floyd and they watched Amy Cooper call the cops on uh, on that guy in New York, on that bird watcher in New York. Yeah. So it's like when I think of uh, when I think of this moment, I think the pandemic created a lot of these opportunities. And I think uh, because I think there were people that were already because look at the Women's March, the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were people that were already fired up and ready to go. Like yeah. as soon as uh, uh as Donald Trump got in there. But this dam has been ready to burst for a long time. Yeah. And I think it would have been that dam was ready to burst. And I think it would have been different if Hillary Clinton had been president. But I think the dam would have still been leaking, at least. You know right, what I mean? Exactly. It would have still been like, yo, we not taking this. Cause it's like if if we then get a woman president, we're still having like police shoot unarmed black folks and all this other thing, all these other things. I think you would have saw a bigger backlash from us, from black folks, from marginalized people in the streets doing our thing. But I think without the authoritarian regime, you don't get the participation of white people who are now being like, wait, us too? Nah! And I think now that they see themselves marginalized, they, they're more willing to get in, which, Isabel, to your point, which is why I think the, the movement is like so much bigger
1: now. Yeah, I mean, perversely, like crises really 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 can be good for social movements right like yeah. I-, I was just I was just watching a um, documentary called Ward 5B about the AIDS crisis and mm. like uh, we had like a alumni like you know book group that where we watched this together and like we were having this conversation about like after the AIDS crisis like it became way less cool to be homophobic because all these people just fucking died like <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a good point. That's a right? dark point, but it's a good point.
1: Like, and apparently the same was true after World War II with anti Semitism, right? Prior to World War II, anti Semitism was a relatively commonplace thing in the United yeah. States. Like, and like, now oh, it yeah, is just, just not.
2: You're like, dude, you can't hate those. Like, they all just got murdered over there in fucking right. in, in Germany.
0: It's right. also really hard to justify that type of hatred over people when they're, like, being slaughtered, you yeah. know? Which is why, I mean, because if you go back to, uh, if you go back to, uh, to uh the AIDS crisis it's like there's a if you're Christian you're like oh they don't deserve to be alive and I don't like that and they're sweet you're like this is like God
1: yeah this is what they deserve right
0: and you think that's a part of it but then there's some Christians who are like when you see someone die of AIDS when you see someone die it's like hard to look away from that and be like and then because if you look at a person who dies of AIDS and you watch them be gay until the very bitter end and then die gay. I don't care what anyone says that's gonna change your mind a little bit. Yeah. You're gonna right. be like well why did they just stop being gay and be like yeah why didn't they <laughs> why didn't they? they let's just dwell on that for a minute <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Man I this is not relevant at all I just watched a video essay by this youtuber named Lindsay Ellis um, and she essentially the, the the essential point was why rent sucks. And, and Rent, um, one of the big points was that she started out talking about like just how fucked up the AIDS crisis was and yeah. how, you know, how the government was kind of, you know, not unlike how they're handling the pandemic, um, just really not really addressing what's happening and like choosing to kind of be apathetic to a lot of people dying of a thing that they could be doing more to prevent and, um, and how rent was built to be, you know, like, built as a revolutionary piece of work, but none of the characters were actually revolutionary at all. <laughs> oh,
1: you're talking about the play. Yes.
0: Rent. Yeah, I thought you were talking about the... Stuff yeah, too, the literal rent. rent. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> but, but I think it's like, they... I, I feel like I always get I, – I, I, people are, are picking apart stuff like that, like Rent and Hamilton. Yeah. And I'm like, what you can't take away – because I'm like, yeah, you look closer and you're like, what, this is a revolutionary at all and all this stuff. But I'm like, what you can't take away is how I felt the first time I heard yeah. I'm not throwing away my shot. So I'm like, okay, I get it. It's not revolutionary, but I still like it. Leave yeah. me alone.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think that it's okay to like the things. I, I, yeah. I love Hamilton, but I, you should consume it knowing – its context, and also valuing how it made you feel. Yeah, agreed.
0: I think, I think, like, and I think there's room for discussion on both.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think there's it's just a constant battle between, like, <laughs> oversimplifying, right? Like, I think that's why we're so, like, I feel like so many people are frustrated with the cancel culture is because it seems like such a black and white solution to very nuanced problems. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, like, like I, I don't know. I think, of course, you should like the thing, right? Like... <laughs> It would be dumb to just not like the thing thing because it's not revolutionary enough, right? And that's going to pave the way for things that are more revolutionary because people said that. So I'm glad the criticism is happening, but it doesn't mean that you have to just throw the whole thing out.
0: I think the other thing is people got to understand is I'm like, yo, when things come out and people make them, they are made by flawed, imperfect people who are idealists. Creators or creatives are idealists. And yeah. so when you come along as a, with a critique and look at something and be like, well, this didn't even discuss all the other things. I was like, all right, great. You write that play. Yeah, I'll fund it and let's make it. And let's see if it does as well. Or let's just see if it, if you hit all the things before somebody else comes out of the woodwork to be like, yeah, it discussed this. But it didn't discuss these <laughs> but, three but things. <laughs> but the take on that one thing wasn't as nuanced as it needs to be. <laughs> exactly yeah so I'm like I think the one thing we should look at it is say like we should appreciate Hamilton we should appreciate what is done for Lin-Manuel Miranda and the black and brown community but then also open discussion and also say hey can we also note that it wasn't even widely, widely accessible for non-white people to even see it yes. until it came out on Disney plus yeah mm-hmm. so and I'm like let's talk yeah. about that
2: yeah and, like Disney plus is still behind the paywall so you
0: know yeah yeah I still uh, gotta pay six ninety nine, right? <laughs> like, um, why? But still,
1: hopefully, it will trigger this virtuous cycle, right? Of, I, instead of a all, race to the bottom, yeah. a race to the top.
0: Right? Yeah, but it's still incrementalism because, yeah. and that's the thing. I'm like, you can't be fussed at incrementalism when it's like Hamilton. You can't look at Hamilton is not the solution. Hamilton is like step five. Yeah, right. We still have seven hundred steps to go, so yeah. we can't like be like what. What (laughs) you know what I mean? When it's like, wait, man, there's gonna be like six more plays and they're all gonna be good and they're all gonna be revolutionary in their own way, each step. And then even when you get to step 12, you're still going to be like, what, what is it going to be by then? Like Ben Franklin? Like, what? Franklin? What? Franklin? Franklin. <laughs> Franklin? Franklin? Or like years in the future, it'll be like Michelle Obama. It'll be like, you really think she did enough? Michelle Obama? <laughs> what exactly did Michelle? And people love Michelle Obama. People they love, love her, her as much as they love Beyonce? Yes. And in the yeah. future, I guarantee you there'll be somebody that's like, well, I don't I, know. I don't I think we think should that, revere Michelle Obama. Yeah. I think
2: that we're at the point where, like, people probably love Michelle more than Barack because one of them is a war criminal and one of them isn't. <laughs> it's also true. <laughs> you know, and, like, it's also and, true. and, you know, I think that people like, we're starting to have a little more of a nuanced conversation about Barack Obama nowadays, I
0: feel.
1: Right, I- Well
0: you know what though? Like, I, so I'm always and I always get tight about Barack Obama conversation. <laughs> I feel like, and I, no, because I, while I agree with you, I'm like I keep that same energy for Bill Clinton, absolutely, for Jimmy Carter, absolutely, for for uh, George W. Bush, because Bambas always want to pull Barack out of the lineup, and be like, well, what has Barack Obama done for black people? I was like, what did any, any of the of other them. 43 presidents <laughs> do for black people? <laughs> Like, what did any of them do? I am like, so you're telling me a Black man became president and did as well as of the 43 other white men before him? Yeah. Congratulations. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which I feel like, but what I was going to say was critiques on Obama to me are just critiques on the presidency, yeah. which I think we should, we should take as such and say these are critiques on the presidency, and we can't just look at Obama and just be like, what did he do wrong? Because I'm like, there's not one president, not – there's not one president since I want to say since what the 50s that is not a war criminal. Mm-hmm. Oh man,
2: I I literally can't think of. I, maybe the 50s. Maybe.
0: I don't know, man. Because I'm like, who who turned on those hoses on black people? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a good point. Um, do we feel like we're good? We feel like we covered things.
1: There's no, there. There's just it's just a deeply unsatisfying thing, you know. like it is so i was not radicalized before right i was like you know i I didn't identify as a radical i was just like oh yeah like you know i have a bunch of really liberal friends blah 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 but i was not writing the postcards phone banking like doing all of the shit right and now like almost like immediately as soon as i start doing the shit i'm like what the fuck I don't know what people do with the shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How can this be?
0: <laughs> Welcome. <Yeah.
1: laughs> How can this be? Where is everyone? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of like you know the podcasts in like recent history have just been like a series on like racial justice issues, and it's just like, like, yeah, you can't you can't come up with anything satisfying to you know respond to these, like, just deeply tragic and probably unsolvable in our lifetime issues. Yeah. Right?
0: I mean, we just gotta acknowledge their issues and just do the best we can.
2: Uh, Okay, so I have, for us to wind down, I have a... Um, a hot take <laughs> and it's <laughs> oh no and, it, and it's about it's about Black Panther okay and <laughs> I'm just gonna say it and I want you all to react to it okay um, okay so I think that you know maybe it was the writing on the character maybe it was the actor but I don't think Michael B. Jordan did a good job as Killmonger
0: hmm
1: why
2: I feel like every Killmonger line was delivered like this. I've had to do this and this and this and this. (laughs) I've had to do this. So I had to do this. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like he gave me one, he gave me one dimension. Mm. And, and it didn't, I, 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 yeah. If, if for me, the acting felt a little bad. I Mm love the movie,
0: but yeah. I, I agree with you that he was definitely, it felt more one-dimensional. It was not, his performance was not nuanced, but there were two moments in that film where I thought he did a great job. And I think they should have brought more of that out. And there was the one instance in which he was, uh, he when he goes to the astral plane and talks to his father. I agree. And the second instant is when he's down on the, uh, when he's down on the train. Uh, fighting with uh, T'Challa, the final ba- ba- uh, fight scene, and he yeah. delivers this one line almost perfectly. And he goes, "You would rather see the whole world uh, burn." And he, he almost—you could almost see him like drop all of the anger and just see the despair of a kid who just walked in on his dead father. And he goes, "That's because the world took everything from me." And there was no frown in his face; it was just vulnerability right there. And I was like, "Ooh, yeah. you nailed." Yeah. That
2: I agree, I agree heavily on, on those two <laughs> points. I really appreciate it yeah. when we got something different, yeah. Um, and yeah, cool, yeah. Um, before we get out of here, do you want to do a, a round of
0: plugs? Uh, sure. Uh, Ronald Young Jr., um, you can go to ohitbigron.com to see some of the stuff that I'm working on. You could follow me at Oh, It's Big Ron on Instagram and Twitter. That's at O-H-I-T-S-B-I-G-R-O-N. I I produce two podcasts, Leaving the Theater and Time Well Spent. You can follow both of those. Uh, Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, stay tuned. Working on some pretty cool things that are coming up that are even outside of uh, Oh, It's Big Ron Studios. And I'm excited for all of you guys to hear and see them.
2: Um, and as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Twitter, our Instagram, and our Gmail account. Otherwise, bye.